FMX Network production. You cast me What's up, guys? It's Alex Gray, and you're listening to the Pulp MX Wrap-Up Show. That's all we need is more fake news, Pulp MX bullshit. It's quality, not quantity, all right, man? Yeah, what's up? This is Darkside for the Moto X Pod Show. Welcome to the Pulp MX Wrap-Up Show, the number one moto wrap-up show in the industry. And I'm here to discuss this week's Pulp MX Show with a couple guests. But first... Let me tell you about our awesome sponsors. Guts Racing was established in 1990 as a premier off-highway seat manufacturing company, offering high-performance seat covers and foam for motocross, supercross, even off-road competition. Guts Racing has worked with every top rider at some point of their career, from Steve Lampson to Jeremy McGrath in the 90s, Ricky Carmichael and James Stewart in the 2000s, and today with Rockstar Husky Pro Circuit Kawasaki and JGR Suzuki, as well as many others. If it's style and performance you want, you've come to the right place. Check out GutsRacing.com for info on the many products offered, such as the Phantom Light Seat Foam. And listen, you know all about Michelin motorcycle tires from the Pulp MX show. And now I'm excited to announce the Michelin Bicycle Tires as a proud sponsor of the Pulp MX Wrap-Up Show. In 1891, Michelin patented the first detachable bead pneumatic bicycle tire. And to this day, Michelin continues to innovate and produce world-class podium finishing products for both road and mountain bikes. If you'd like to ride the same Michelin bicycle tires as mountain bike legend Cam Zink and the 2019 EWS champion Sam Hill, then visit bike.michelin.com for all the details on Michelin's extensive range of bicycle products and follow them on Instagram at Michelin Bicycle. And of course, those who ride dirt bikes, motorcycles, ATVs, and UTVs know Motosport is the best place for OEM and aftermarket parts, riding gear, and accessories. Motorsport.com's dedicated team of gearheads have the knowledge and expertise to help get your ride working at peak performance and have you looking good too. Whether you race on the track, ride on the trails, or commute on the street, make your next ride your best ride only at Motosport.com. And I want to welcome on our new sponsor, Seal Savers. Since 1999, Seal Savers has offered the ultimate protection of the off-road industry. Seal Savers is the original fork seal protection, starting with the original Seal Savers to prevent dirt, dust, and mud from getting into your fork seals. Seal Savers has since revolutionized fork seal protection with their zip-on seal savers, making installation a breeze. So check out their full line of moto products as well as intuitive products for your side-by-side. Seal Savers is the original and the ultimate when it comes to protection. Enter the code PULP25 for 25% off at sealsavers.com. Hey, and don't forget to visit pulpmexshow.com for sponsor links and discount codes as well as the Amazon widget. If you want to be on the Pulpamex Wrap-Up Show with me to talk about the Pulpamex Show, or you want to contribute a question or topic for the Hello Pookie segment, send it to darkside at pulpamex.com. Okay, let's get to our guests. I heard Darkside was going to be on, so I thought I'd call and <laughs> see what was, see what was well, going he... on with him. And... Yeah, what's up, guys? This is uh, Cade Clayson here. We're uh, wrapping up Pulpamex Show number 440, where we had Chris Kiefer and Darkside in studio. It was a really fun, interesting show. Um, we had Marshall Welton and Phil Micheletti on, Carson Mumford, Justin Cooper, and Oscar Wiederman, who was actually a no-show, and, of course, JT. Um, I think this wrap-up show is going to be super cool. Obviously, I'm a first-time host, so it could be good. It could be terrible. We're not really going to know until the end of it, but uh, here we go. Um, if you want style and performance that you want, You've come to the right place. For the highest performance seat covers and foam on the market, visit Gus Racing. And today, Gus Racing brings you Checkers from Racetech. Checkers, how are we doing, buddy? 
I'm doing good. Just going to wrap up this show and then actually go put a gut seat cover on my Honda 450. Hey, I can't complain about that. We put a new Guts Racing uh, seat cover on my bike this week, and, you know, I love those guys over there. Even the seat foam and stuff, I really enjoy it. Uh, also, Seal Savers is the original fork seal protection, starting with the original Seal Savers to prevent dirt, dust, and mud from getting into your fork seals. You can also try the Zip-On Seal Saver and enter code PULP25 to save 25% with them. And they bring you today... Dark side from the Moto X Pod Show. Yeah, what's up? I had my cherry broken this uh, last Monday. You did, man. So tell me all about it. Like, I want to know all about the experience for you. You know, obviously, I've been in studios. Checkers, I don't know about you. But tell me about how your first time in studio went. Well, I I was happy with what I did. I felt like it was good. Um, just started the day with getting to Steve's house, and, you know, he was getting his notes ready, and Made sure he knew that he did not have to babysit me. I had I could do take care of myself, and I got my notes ready, and we just shot the shit a little bit, you know, until Kiefer and the Kiefer's got there, and pretty much the whole time leading up to the show, Chris was like, "He's nervous. He's nervous. He's gonna freeze up." Like he was just trying to mind f me. Uh, but overall, though, man, I felt like I did okay. I got a great response. Uh, I've only seen one negative comment, so. I think it went well, man. I, I had a blast, and I hope that Steve has me back in again sometime. Yeah, that's sweet. I mean, I, I know how it is. I know I, the first time I ever went in, I was nervous. I told you I thought you were a little nervous at first, and then you got going, and you looked like you were having more fun. But, uh, no, that's cool that I'm glad you had fun. Uh, yeah. Also, I forgot to mention, I'm brought to you by Michelin Bicycle Tires. You've obviously heard about Michelin Motorcycle Tires from the Pulp Mech Show. Time to learn about Michelin bicycle tires. If you want the same tires as Cam Zink, Sam Hill, visit bike.michelin.com for details. Also, check, man, I, I know a lot of people might not know who you are, but you're a big guy at Race Tech. You know, obviously I've known you for a really long time. And you're back riding. That's that's pretty awesome. I'm pumped on that. Um, is, do we have COVID to thank for you getting back riding, or uh, what? what's that all about? No, we have Chris Kiefer to blame. <laughs> um, much like he was on Steve's case forever. Um, he had been on my case for a long time, and it was basically two-year anniversary. He invited me out to do his shootout, his very first Keeper Inc. shootout, um, when he went off on his own. And I'd initially told him no, and then he forced me basically to come out and do it. He said I'd be an idiot if I didn't do it. The kid, the kid in me would have been really disappointed in me saying no, so I went and did it, fell back in love with riding dirt bikes, so now my weekends are filled with, filled with air wheelies and butt whips, it seems. That's awesome. Nice. That's sick, man. Well, it's cool to see you back riding. Well, I love seeing people like get back into it after they've been out of it for so long. So that kind of pumps me up. Um, so let's get into the show. Hey, I mean, can I say of... something? Can I say something real quick, Cade? No, you're not allowed. Okay. <laughs> no, what's up? <laughs> so, uh, your comment a little bit ago, you know, that you had texted me about being nervous. I want to, like, I, I want to tell everybody, like, honestly, I felt zero nerves going in. Um, no, other... you're good. I think. Yeah, well, I just like the reason I was quiet right there because when I, I I didn't want to interrupt Steve, like I assume I kind of know from watching him that he's going to look at his guests and say, all right, do you have anything? So I just wasn't trying to step on any toes. It really wasn't nervousness. It was just I don't you know, I don't think anybody likes it when people talk over each other on the show. So I was just trying to sit back. I figured Kiefer would be the first person he went to and just kind of I just hung back a little bit. No, you did good, man. I, I, you know, I think we're all just giving you a hard time. I think the only time it's okay for people to talk over each other is when A Ray and I are shouting at each other, and then Mike, <laughs> and then Steve just turns our mics off. Right, right. But 
Um, did either I wanna, of you guys um, notice? I wanna, go ahead. Can I add to that point a little bit, Kate? Of, um, I thought that that was one of the reasons I thought Darkseid actually did a fantastic job is because of a lot of times people in the in the situation of being in the co-host chair, they want to they want to talk so much and they don't let the host talk enough and they talk over the guest and such. And all, so much to the point that I wanted to hear more of Darkseid and I would love to actually see him come back in the show just with him and not doing dual co-hosts Oof. because I do think it's difficult when there's two co-hosts um, at times if they're both very good because they both have a lot to add, but yet you got to move the show along. So um, I think it was a good test, and I think that Darkseid passed that test, and I would like to see him go in by himself at some point. Thank you. No, I, I totally agree. I feel like the first few times I ever went in, I was always with A-Ray, and A-Ray loves to talk. He's very, <laughs> like, loud. He would always talk over me, and I always felt like I never got to say enough. And so when I finally got to go in by myself, it was awesome. So I totally get what you mean. I just give Darkseid a hard time because Chris likes to talk too. So I feel like Darkseid sometimes didn't just jump on his uh, opportunity to be that person. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I appreciate that, the positive uh, comments, though. Thank you. No, I mean, you definitely didn't do bad. I, I, <laughs> I mean, not at all. That's not what would, uh, yeah, I, I think I, anybody was saying. I think everyone thought you did pretty well. Cool. This would be a much better um, yeah, I mean, show, though, if we were mad at you. <laughs> you did terrible. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, did either of you guys happen to notice on the YouTube or Facebook stream that my uh, my name tag from the show before is on the back of Steve's computer? I did. I actually. If you, made, uh, oh, go ahead. <laughs> if, you if you paid attention to my notes, it was the very first yep. thing I noticed. I started watching it on YouTube, and immediately the cage sticker was on the monitor, which. Um, brings up a point, and maybe you know the answer to this, Darkside or Kate. I might have missed it, but I remember when Randy Richardson was in, he had put a Michelin sticker there, mm-hmm. and it's now covered up or replaced by a pulp sticker, and it only lasted that one episode, which kind of surprised me because I thought that was brilliant marketing on Randy's part, and I would assume that Steve would be pretty pumped on that, but I don't know if maybe another sponsor felt like they were getting too much love there and they were trying to buy that spot. Or <laughs> Did he ever talk about why that got replaced? Not that I remember, no. Yeah, I don't. I have no idea either. I I tend to stay away from Steve and his sponsorship deals. I know he tries to help out as many guys as he can, but um, I know that it can be kind of a touchy subject, like guys and you know knowing how much they make for uh, contracts and stuff like that. So I just thought it was funny yep. that I knew some people on the stream not- watch um, and noticed because that's the first time I've ever watched the the whole show live. So um, I saw it on there. I was getting a good laugh out of it. Laugh out of it. I just want to know how long it actually lasts there. I, you know, I think it'll. If I can make it a couple shows, it'll be good. Yeah, yeah. That, I did notice it in studio. I didn't watch back on YouTube, but I could see it. But I honestly never thought to ask about it because I, I figured you put it there, and I didn't want him to see it if he didn't realize it was there. I want it to stay. So I just kept my mouth um, closed. So, so, so going into the show opening, Keeper obviously in Kiefer fashion, had to bring up Steve's birthday and the birthday sex. Um, Darkside, did it, does it ever get awkward for you in being in a situation like that? Um, you know, Kiefer is obviously a very comfortable person talking about that type of stuff, but I think part of the reason I could never be on with Kiefer is because I don't think I could do after dark. I just, I'm not that outspoken, you know what I mean? Uh, it does not get un- uncomfortable for me. I have no issues talking about that kind of stuff. Uh, I don't think my chick Amber would like it if I got into details about us personally, but 
just talking about it in general, I'm fine with it. I think it's, uh, I think a lot like Chris. I don't know if we're going to get to some Kiefer After Dark stuff later, but uh, I'm a, more of an emotional guy. Uh, I believe in, you know, hashtag home life stuff. So talking about, and, and talking about the actual relationship stuff definitely doesn't bother me. And even the, the sex stuff, I think it's funny. They were talking about it before the show started when we were, you know, up on one of the many levels of the Pulp Empire of the house. We were upstairs talking about it. Uh, and we also actually talked about you and A-Ray last week, the game. Uh, Kiefer had not heard the game from last week. And Steve mentioned your line, which is probably the best line of the night, where you said, it's called being a friend. You should try it sometime, uh, which I realize I just got off topic. But, um, no, that stuff does not bother me. I, I enjoy it. I was so glad that I got to be part of Kiefer after dark. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, I mean, it's not that I'd be uncomfortable talking about it. I just feel like I'd be uncomfortable talking about it in front of, you know, thousands of people that listen to his show. Right. Um, and then, you know, going through the notes and stuff here, we obviously already talked. Kiefer kind of thought you were nervous at first. And uh, and then you guys kind of got into talking about cutting the pony, which yeah. never actually happened. We'll, we'll, we'll start there. But how were you feeling? Like, there was a point in time when I thought it was going to happen. Well, yeah, it, it was talked about also almost nonstop. Kiefer was definitely peer pressuring me. Um, and with the comments of, let's, like, he, he started off with, let's just cut one rubber band, which I had rubber bands like every inch and a half or so. You know, I don't know. I, I didn't measure it, but every, let's just cut one little small piece off. And I was telling him at one point during, like, one of the breaks, I was like, man, I got to cut that off anyway because it's dead ends. So he's like, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. And I said, well, all right, we got to donate it to Killian Auburn Center or something like that. If we're going to do it. Let me think about it. And he just kept on and kept on and kept on. Basically did beat me down enough where I agreed. Um, and then right before or after the – during the last commercial break, before we went back on the air, when Heather sat down, she kind of chewed his butt a little bit. She said, you know, you hate being peer pressured. Quit peer pressure and dark side. I was like, yeah, you know what? She's right. F you, Kiefer. I'm out. So – Anyway, I, I bailed. Um, he had me feeling like a bit of an asshole for saying, for not taking the money for Killian, but I just wasn't ready, dude. Fair enough. Was Fair that enough. what the high five was about? Is that yes, yes? That's why I high fived her because right she she had me. Yep, absolutely, she had my back, and she uh, she like I said, I was about to be peer pressured into something I didn't want to do from one of the bad kids, and the good kid saved me. <laughs> that's fair. I feel fair like enough. Heather does that kind of stuff all the time because she's like. She, she's like kind of the, um, I don't know what the word would be, but she kind of sees stuff from the background and she'll tell Kiefer like, hey, you need to tone it down or, or yep. step it up sometimes. Right? Yeah, absolutely. What uh, Checkers, what, what did you think about um, Steve basically shitting on Darkseid the entire show for wanting to bring his friend TJ? Um, I thought it was kind of, um, kind of just par for the course for Steve to give Darkseid a hard time. Um, I'm actually a little surprised he didn't let him bring bring him, even though, you know, he says that he, you know, and I understand why because his studio is at his residence and whatnot. But um, knowing that, you know, he has a good relationship with Darkseid. He's worked with him for for quite some time, and obviously he's gone out of his way to support Darkseid and stuff. So it's it's kind of one of those things that I always look at it as if you're a friend or somebody close to one of the people that's close to me, then we're automatically friends before we even meet, and. Um, I guess Steve just doesn't look at it that way. And I think he maybe was playing it up a little bit, but he did some, I mean, obviously he was serious. TJ wasn't there. And uh, I did like the jab that was thrown in there from dark side with um, Steve was giving his producer a little bit of a hard time. 
and he goes, oh, we, could, we, could, we need a new producer. <laughs> and, uh, and Dark Side Rider, let's throw TJ's name out there. Oh, yeah. Uh, it, was, uh, it was very interesting. I kind of felt bad for Dark Side at a few points because I could totally understand wanting to bring someone who just wants to, like, kind of experience it. Um, I've, I've been in similar, similar situations before. I didn't necessarily have the balls to ask Steve, but uh, I know how it feels. I do know how it feels. So um, yeah, let's. I mean, let's get into uh, let's get into the racing act- talk from the actual show. Um, one of the main things was I feel like a lot of riders were complaining about the track prep, and Kiefer had a good quote, and it says, "We bitch, we don't want a slot car style track. Then we get hard pack and we say it's shitty. Even Millville was different." Um, Checkers, what do you think about that? I know a lot of the riders from this past week said stuff like that, and, uh, you know, what's your take on it? Um, well, actually, to provide a little bit of additional intel, too, um, I talked to the, the track prep guy, Shane Schaefer, yesterday um, to get some suspension done, and we, we had this conversation, and he's also the same guy that preps Millville. Um, but I can confirm from talking to him that the track was not ripped any different than normal there, um, and they actually watered more than they wanted to. Um, but beyond that, personally watching it and I watched it on TV from home, I prefer it not to be a slot car track. I like guys to be able to move around a lot. And I thought that it was the best Thunder Valley I've seen as far as racing. Um, the one example of a section is after the first big downhill where, um, at the bottom or at the top was where, um, Baggett had railed around Telmac, the famous father day. Um, at, at the bottom of that, it used to be just a double triple up the hill, and they built those, that roller section that looked miserable to ride for the riders. But it, it separated guys and caught, or allowed passing, and the corner at the bottom developed really good inside, middle, and outside lines, and it allowed passing going up the hill because of the run you got out of the corner and how you executed both the corner and the section. So I thought between obstacles and then it not being so rutted down the straights that you couldn't move around, that it raced better than I've ever seen Thunder Valley. Like there was inside outsides in most of the corners. I will say it didn't look as much fun to ride because it looked a lot more chattery. Um, instead of like the soft big bumps, it definitely looked a little more skatey uh, than some of the harder sections and had more of a hard base under it. Um, from talking to Shane, he thought it was from just it being actually too wet and then packing in um, because the dirt was heavy. So uh, that's the feedback on it for me, but I preferred it that way. In my opinion, it's the best like the track we've seen. See, I, I enjoyed the track and the motos. It was nice and rough. Um, in practice, I didn't really like it because it was so fast because I didn't feel like they get enough, got enough water into it. Um, but that's just my personal opinion. I'm, I'm not complaining or, you know, whatever. It's, you know, I, I enjoy different styles of tracks. I don't think that, you know, every track should be ripped super deep and watered insanely amount so that it's like that every weekend. You know, Unadilla is special because it's super, it's super ruddy like that. I think the track this weekend was super awesome. Um, what do you think, uh, Darkside? Uh, I kind of have a different opinion than Checkers, honestly. I, I thought it was too too fast. I mean, like I thought it felt like the racing could have been better if it had been slowed down a little bit. But I don't like the slot car thing either, so maybe I'm in the middle a little somewhere. Um, it just... Yeah, I, I didn't think it looked like it was much fun to ride. It didn't seem that much fun to watch on TV for some reason to me. A lot of guys, you know, we saw a lot of really close calls uh, because of the way the track built or turned out, and it was fast and rough and sharp edge, and the you know going off the jumps. 
I didn't love it. But I, what I did love was a couple weeks ago at WW Ranch where a lot of people were complaining. So I, I liked that better. I, I don't know if that's relevant in any way at all. But, um, yeah, I didn't really love Lakewood. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Well, another topic of discussion partly was, is Eli back? And the reason Eli rode so well, well, one of the reasons that Kiefer, of course, brought up um, what is Eli back is because Rhino was at his house and apparently had a chicken with him um, <laughs> for a practice day, and they, they did some laps together. So I don't know if that means he's back checkers or not, but, I mean, he was definitely fun to watch. The Rhino and Kiefer love gift is the gift that keeps on giving, and I think that's the real story there. Yeah. <laughs> I think two of the best follows on Instagram are Rhino and Randy Richardson, yeah. hands down. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, so the first guest of the night, of course, was Marshall Welton. He uh, he won the Triple Crown Series in the 250 class. He won the Supercross Series, uh, and he was second in the Outdoor Series. And we have a piece of audio to listen to from him. I mean, I feel like it's a good environment. I've I've always had a had a niche for local racing. Not to say that Canada is local racing, but it's a step down from U.S. racing and also the GPs. But it's it's a comfortable environment to me with, you know, that's more of like guys that are working on the weekends and show up to race. And I'd say it's a little bit less and I just, it's fun to, to race for the race wins where in the States, I feel like I'm racing for a, you know, eighth to 16th place where here it's more, I'm like a top, you know, in Canada, it feels like I'm a little bit higher up and yeah. as a racer, it's, it's nicer to feel the winning accomplishment and then racing for 13th, getting beat down every weekend. It's it didn't look fun this week this year though a lot of mud races outside of the first Jeez, one yeah. it looked it looked rough this summer you know for the series like that kind of sucked but what can you can't a lot of rain yeah. yeah here's my thing Canada great people everyone's yeah. mellow laid me. back All right look at me the chicks up there are so hot and they don't know they're hot so they're super cool mm. um, I know Marsh probably has a chick but I'm just like for me everyone's so laid back and relaxed right. it made you have a good time. The guys all hang out. Well, everybody except for Cole Thompson. Nobody really likes him for good reason. Anyways, uh, everyone else hangs out. Right. Like, the riders just chill. Like, hey, like Phil will walk over to Gurky or whatever. Like, there's a real, you know, sense of uh, yeah, just mellow. Yeah, respect, and everybody's like, leave it on the track, you know? Do yeah. you think if that happened here if Jason Anderson went over to Factory Honda, that the teams would have a problem with it? Yes. No, I don't think the teams would, but you just wouldn't see it happen. I Bullshit. Know. Because they wouldn't want Jason over there looking around on the bikes or anything. I, I feel like they don't want any of those guys closer to that, that rig. I was thinking come over to the hospitality area or something. I wasn't thinking about so much going by the bikes. Because, like, yeah. AC and Kenny are friends. So yeah. if they went to visit each other, Dude, that would be frowned upon. I was a mechanic for a long time and on a few factory teams, and I never saw one of these dudes go to another truck. No. It's so weird. My whole time as a factory mechanic. Especially back in your day, they, like, hung out afterwards, right? Yeah, they went yeah, to the yeah. bars and yeah, stuff. Yeah, but they yeah. Because you got to yeah. understand, the stress – of American racing is way higher yeah, than Canadian right. racing. So, so yeah, basically Marshall chimed in and then Steve Keeper and dark sides of Kenner went at it. I, I took more of that from, I can, I can totally agree with Marshall about the fact of how laid back racing is up there. Um, how it feels good to be a contender myself. I was a third to fifth place guy really every weekend battling for those spots and it feels good. So it's cool to see Marshall go up there. Obviously, he won some. He's in a little bit different position. And it's, it's, it's warming to be able to, you know, be able to win races and not just be a 15th place guy. 
Um, Checkers, what did you think about when they were talking about U.S. racing and how guys, you know, intermingle versus how they do it in Canada? I don't know if you spent much time up there, but it is an extremely friendly environment. I mean, I've definitely heard from people like yourself that the Canadian thing is much smaller, and a lot of people compare it to the um, arena cross days, which I do have a lot of experience with. And I, I think a lot of it comes down to, yes, it's less money and such, but also the teams are smaller. So it's not like there's as many people to hang out with around your truck. And you still have to go find people to get what you need and stuff like that. So then it allows you to um, go see people. Also with the format this year especially, I mean, they were at the same place for multiple days. And back in the national days when they had, you know, multiple day nationals where, you know, it was Saturday practice and day qualifiers and then Sunday racing. And I think they even made it on Friday practice or press day. That so it was a full weekend. I feel like you probably saw a lot more of that because guys were more work just showing up in the morning, going to work and leaving for the day. Um, whereas, you know, in, in Canada, I think you can do that. There's less security. I'm guessing there's not even security guards around the trucks in, in Canada. <laughs> you know, it's just, um, they're just not as packed and not as big of a deal and guys aren't getting swarmed nearly as much. Um, so I could see where Marshall compared it to a local race and, I love the fact that he's a racer's racer and shows up to race. Um, I got to meet him the first time this spring. He drove like 15, 16 hours or something to do a weekend race and, um, at a local race. So it was really cool to uh, to hear that. And, you know, he's a racer's racer, and Kiefer's stuff always comes back to the chicks. As immediately he goes, chicks in Canada are cool. <laughs> yeah. You know, I totally agree. Uh, Darkside, what do you think of Marshall just as a guest in general? You know, I've known, I call him Michelle. Um, I've known him for a long time, and, you know, he's kind of a, a blah person until you get him going, and then once you get him going, he can shit talk with the best of you. Um, what do you think of Marshall coming on the show? I really liked him. I thought his answer of my question, you know, the, the Canada thing was, like, talking about, like nobody wants to be like Checker said, tenth or fifteenth all the time. That's a beating, right? He likes he liked being able to go up there and run at the top because anybody that's competitive wants the opportunity to be at the top on the podium, top five, whatever. I, I like that honesty, and um, I got a chance to meet him up at the you know Justin Brayton event where Checkers was at in Iowa, and yeah, he's a good dude. Once you get him talking, like you say, and I think he's good, man. I'd like to have him back on, you know. As an, I guess again in the future because I think he good information. Uh, it's going to be really entertaining next year, especially w- when he's if he goes 450 and races with uh, Phil. I totally agree. Totally agree. Couldn't agree more. I don't know if either of you have gotten the chance to meet this Galdi character that got brought up. <laughs> yeah. Here's a piece of audio. Here's a piece of audio of uh, when Marshall got asked about his favorite Galdi story from this summer. What's your best Galdi story from this summer? Do you have one? Uh, yeah, well, I think it was Sandali uh, round five. Mm-hmm. He was he was super stoked. He was um, not sober, uh, walking <laughs> around in a in a in an extra small Ryder McNabb jersey. I actually threw it up on one of my posts. Galdi one evening, he just asked me, uh, like randomly texted me. He said how much you weigh. I said. 170 naked maybe 175 with gear or something and he said send pics i'm like of the scale <laughs> he said he said nudes <laughs> I said, that's awesome for amy for amy and he said yeah and then and then there's like 
<laughs> so you were kind of a bit of a pause of silence. And I just laughed, and, and he was like kind of serious, but kind of not serious. And then I, it was. <laughs> there's the there's the uh, there's the uh, uh, the head of the series up there, everybody. So yeah, like I said, for those of you who don't know Galdi, he is a dude who loves the riders. He loves people who try hard. He is a TV announcer for the Canadian series. He also runs Guaranteed MX. He's quite the character, isn't he, uh, Dark Side? Yeah, man. I finally, I think I met him at A1 at the live show Steve did first, but then I really got to hang out with him at, uh, or I guess that's backwards. Maybe I met him at the Vet Nationals too. So where, yeah, wherever, I guess, whichever came first, uh, Vet Nationals, I guess, uh, last year. But Galdi is a fun dude, man. He, uh, he lives it up. He's living life to the fullest. And it sounds like he, when he's away from the wife, he probably lives it a little above, past the fullest. Oh no, he lives that life when she's around too. It's, okay, it's great. I think, yeah, she's she's pretty awesome too. Uh, you know, she she goes to all the races and everything with him. So, nice. Um, it's a full family affair over there. Um, and then of course after that, um, they called up Phil, Phil Nicoletti. Um, of course, whenever one of Phil's friends are on, he always gets brought into the show. Um, here's a quick clip from the show with him and. Uh, possibility of where phil's gonna land next year does has the chick ever come to a race in canada this year did she come to race yes or no no it worked out the best way she wasn't allowed in are you the type of guy that's going to hold her hand around the pits yes or no no, I don't hold hands. I don't hold hands in public well it says 100 percent well it's like 100 <laughs> percent definitely not i'll never hold hands in public i hate pda I've seen him kiss in public. I've seen him hug in public. Yeah. I Marshall, you don't even know what the fuck you're talking about, dumb dick. No, dude, Phil's the type of guy who's gonna. She's gonna lean in for a kiss. He's gonna look around like this. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, sorry. No, <laughs> stick it on, stick it on the cheek, girl. So clearly, I messed up on the audio and which which clip we were gonna play, but. Anyways, they brought up Phil's new girlfriend, who is Enzo Lopes' sister. Um, she lives in the same apartment building as Phil. It is a match made in heaven, honestly. Um, but, Checkers, what do you what do you think about Phil's PDA talk? I mean, we all know Phil. He's a pretty, you know, weird guy, if you might say. But, uh, you know, what did you take away from that? Um, I think it shows that behind the scenes, behind his tough image, there's a soft side in there. But my favorite part of that whole line was his line about it was the best way because she wasn't allowed in Canada. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that killed me. I thought so too. I thought so too. Yeah, yeah that was that was good. Uh Dark Side, did you know did you know Phil had a new chick? I mean, when he was on the show obviously. Yeah, Steve's mentioned like uh calling uh I think talking to Enzo to like your brother in law Phil or whatever. So I, I knew it she existed. Uh, I've never, I'd never had seen a picture of her. Uh, I never really, I don't think I'd heard him talk about her. And like checkers, that line was like, cause I, again, I'm a romantic guy, right? So I like my chick with me at the, the races. I know checkers chick, man. She's always at the races with him being supportive. I've seen pictures of some PDA from them too. So I know he's not on board with that. Checkers loves having this chick at the race. I think most of us do. Uh, you know, you, you'd like your wife there when she can be there. I mean, that's, so it's, it is strange, but it's, funny so for show purposes it's perfect well it's funny to me because phil and marshall are such good friends and marshall's chick never got brought up and 
she's from near his hometown in Michigan, and they had, they've been together for a little while now, and she couldn't get into Canada either. So oh, they were both on lockdown. Their chicks were both stuck back in the States. And I don't know. I can't believe Phil didn't use that as fire because Marshall is the person who poses for photos all the time, doing coffee dates. Like, that's, that's Marshall's style. So yeah. I just I think it's funny that they're such good friends and they're complete polar opposites. Well, you kind of have to be opposites, I think, with, with Phil to be friends with him because who else is like Phil? Exactly. Nobody. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, moving on to the next guest, uh, Carson Mumford came on. Obviously, when Mumford comes on, Kiefer's going to be pumped because they're both high-des guys. And uh, Mumford's been having a pretty consistent rookie year, but not lighting the world on fire. Let's hear about that. You, For a kid, you don't make a lot of the typical kid mistakes. But on the downside, Mumford, there's no like blazing speed leading laps type of speed, right? So, at the end of the day, yeah. you're like, you're like, hey, look at Mumford. Solid results, but like it doesn't stand out necessarily because you'd almost like to see you lead four laps and then cartwheel your brains out. Not well, not really, but you know what I'm 100%. saying. One hundred percent. Yeah. No, I know exactly yep. what you're saying. I would much rather pull the whole shot and crash leading than get a thirtieth place start like I have been, mm-hmm. and then catching up to thirteenth and like putting on last lap charges for twelfth that no one even sees. But they're pretty good rides. For me, my point of view would mm-hmm. be. If he would have just got in there and got top 10 in points, to me that's a very successful first season. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think that's solid. It shows you got speed. If you're top 10 in the 250 class, you could podium at any time. I feel like any guys in the top 10 could podium in any moto. Where did you see yourself this year coming in? Where did you feel like, okay, if I get this place, it's, it's great? Really wanted to be in the top 10, but uh, after my last year's performance, didn't know if I – if I was even capable of that, obviously the practice track I rip. Coming into the last race, uh, I everybody kind of knows it's the last race, and I, I think you might see some people send it a little bit more, mm-hmm. um, which I'm for sure willing to do. And I, I'm I've ridden the track a million times. Even if they change it, it's still the same dirt. Yeah. Where a lot of these places, I felt like I didn't feel comfortable on my bike until 15 minutes into the first moto. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of leaning towards I'm going to feel more comfortable all day at Paula. So, Checkers, I think it was in your notes that you have um, another quote, uh, you should say, from Carson was that he talked about how much he learned from Christian Craig. Um, You know, they'd go to the practice track or they'd go do whatever, and he would just follow him. If he did this, he did that. You know, if Christian did this, Carson did that. And, you know, he just did what he did to try to mimic his riding style to try to progress, right? Yeah, for sure. That stood out to me, and um, I think it actually got brought up because maybe it was Keeper or Steve that brought up that he looks a lot like Christian on the bike, and Carson said he'd spent, I think, I think he said months or weeks just chasing Christian around, and he said if he pulled a tear-off, he pulled a tear-off. If he did a one-footer on the jump, he was doing a one-footer on the jump, and he was just mimicking everything about him, and I mean, there's not a guy that out there that any of us wouldn't want to mimic more than Craig, I think. If we could ride like him, man, we'd all feel pretty amazing on the bike, I think. Yeah, I totally agree. Christian is probably one of the smoothest guys on the track right now. Um, Darkside, what did you think of Carson as a guest on the show? I think he's really good. Um, I think he's, for his age, he interviews well. You know, he's spoken well. He's a pretty smart kid. Uh, And, you know, I, I just know from experience that he's a kid that still likes to have fun. You know, he's taking it serious. But 
still, like I said, just a kid, man. He, and we kind of heard that as he tells a story, which I think we're going to play some audio in a little bit, his story, and he kind of laughed at himself a little bit. I think he's really good. And I think over the years, as, as he uh, matures and gets more into the scene or more into this professional career, I think he's going to be a continuation, a, a continuing to be a great guest, and he's a Pulp fan. Exactly right. I mean, it's and I I feel like a lot of these younger kids are kind of coming into the sport and being good interviews. You know, they see guys like Adam, who Cincerello, I mean, uh, who are such so fun to listen to, and they they kind of feed off of that. You know, yep. guys like there's so many like top guys that are just so blah in interviews. You know, I, I hate to pick on Baggett, but I feel like Baggett is usually pretty blah, and you know they're not fun. So then they kind of feed off of the guys who are really good. And, you know, I feel like Carson can be one of those guys. And I also feel like Carson has had a really good season. Um, you know, like they had said, he's not lighting the world on fire, but he's at every race. He's healthy right now. And, you know, hopefully he can make it through this last round healthy and then carry that into Supercross where, you know, in reality, his future is probably going to be, you know, all those kids have to make it to Supercross and then make it through a season. So, um, another thing that got brought up was, of course, high des and what it's like riding in the high des. So I think we have a piece of audio from that. He's in BFE. Like, yeah, he's think, out there. You yeah. think I'm in BFE? No, 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 no. He's His in is B- in BFE, right? He's in so BFE. He, I would assume, is he it? has probably seen some shit out there as well that's questionable. Just weird stuff like unlocking the fence by yourself is just like yeah. the worst. Water in the tracks. And then finally I was done. And this like pile Toyota like little Tacoma just comes rolling by the front gate and I'm like what the heck and I'm just standing there but like it's super dark in my house there's no way he sees right. me and all of a sudden he just just hit me with the spotlight right <laughs> right on me like a super bright spotlight and I just took <laughs> off like like running and I'm like what the heck like I'm all by myself the service is terrible yeah like, it's it's probably nine at night because I'm done watering. I'm like it's pitch black, I'm freaking of course. out. Yeah, yeah, it's pitch black. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm like I'm gonna die out here, and the <laughs> thing just kept just putting along, just idling, idled all the way into the distance till I couldn't see it anymore. And nothing ever happened of that. It's I was like, like serial what killer. The heck? Now I can speak from experience. I before Carson owned before Carson's family owned that property, the Alessis owned it, and a team I rode for rented the house and everything for a few months and we stayed there and rode supercross it's out there like the middle of absolute nowhere checkers i don't know if you've ever been out there but i know i've seen the, some other race tech guys out there it is it, it's honestly kind of scary how far out there it is and how far away you are from civilization <laughs> uh no i haven't been there but it, it reminds me i guess of like if you're out in the sand dunes or something but even then there's at least a lot of people around it's not just really quiet unless you're out in the middle of the dunes in the middle of the night. But that's the only thing that I could factor into it or like driving across like the middle of uh, New Mexico or something like that in the middle of the night, and just lost, <laughs> you know? I, I do. It, it's, it's funny because it's just like random little dirt roads, you know, here and there. And then, you know, you're driving down, I don't remember what road it is, but you drive by the old comp edge and you just keep heading out and you keep heading out into the desert you turn left onto a dirt road, you head up it for about a mile, and then all of a sudden you see these, like, towers with lights at the top of them that Tony Alessi put in so Mike could do main events in the dark. <laughs> and uh, it's just so random. You know, they got, like, three or four Supercross tracks out there. Um, but I really like listening to that. And, you know, I, I don't think some people, like, 
grasp what riding in the desert is like because I feel like East Coast people um, are kind of pampered almost because they always ride like prep tracks with good dirt. People on the West Coast, they, they go out and they just make their own track. And, you know, Carson and Kiefer, they bond over that stuff because, you know, they were talking about the whole washing machines with corners and, you know, what they use for track markers. It's, it's pretty funny on Dark Side. Yeah, definitely. I, I used to, I kind of started riding in the high desert. We lived in Barstow as a kid. And, dude, it's spooky out there at night, man. You can't see shit. I, I would be scared of, like, rattlers and stuff. But for a kid his age, I'm assuming he's 15, 16 years old out there, you know, in the middle of the night. Yeah, and you don't, somebody rolls up with a spotlight and he runs. But where the hell is he going to run to? He's in the middle of the desert. So I was laughing. Uh, and I think, I think stuff like that's good. Those stories are good to hear on Pulp other than just just hearing how his race went, right? I mean, that's that was entertaining. We get to know him a little bit. I agree. I agree. Well, he does have a house there, so he does have a place to go to. There's a house and a race shop, and it's actually a really cool property once you get there. It's, yeah. It's, it's intimidating. <laughs> but uh, moving on, dark side, you're going to like this part. Uh, we still all think you paid this guy off <laughs> to uh, call into the show and defend you. Uh, it was Damon Effin Bradshaw called in to defend Darkside. No one knows why, but here's the audio from that. Yeah. Uh, before we go to commercial here, we always take time for the legends, and uh, we got one on the line now. Uh, Damon Bradshaw, what's going on? Not much, man. Yes. Just, uh, I heard Darkside was going to be on, so I thought I'd call and <laughs> see, what was, see what was well, going he... on with him and seeing what was up next on the Moto X pod show. Oh, my God. My man. I cannot let, believe it. Let me it. know when we can bullshit on the Moto X pod <laughs> show again. <laughs> Holy shit. Holy so, yeah, I think it was kind of funny. I don't – obviously no one expected Damon Bradshaw. I mean, are you guys cool now? I thought there was still a bit of tension because wasn't it his bike that you crashed? See, you didn't listen to the show very well then. Uh, yeah, no, there's never been tension. It actually – it wasn't actually his bike. It was a WPS rep that was part of the Fly Ride Day. Had borrowed a bike That's from right. their, their local dealership. Uh, and, and this guy was going to – I don't want to give his name out because I don't know if he wants to be named. But uh, he was planning on buying the bike. So it was actually his bike. And he was not thrilled. Um, there may or may not have been some com- miscommunication. He didn't know I was on the bike, apparently, the guy that owned it. Um, so we'll, we'll leave that alone. But, no, Damon has been cool – like, as I was laying on the ground, Damon was out there yelling at other people that were still riding to get off the track. And he called me almost, I think, the night, the first night I was in the hospital and a couple more times to check on me. Uh, and he has told me that every time I see him at a Supercross or whatever that, like, he gets people all the time asking him about it. So, no, he was never never any hard feelings. He was always cool about it. Yep, you're right. I, I do remember that from the show now. I don't know why I spaced it, but <laughs> – yeah. Uh, you but, are correct. So that was pretty cool. You had to be pumped that he uh, that he called in to defend you, I guess. Because yeah, he, he was he had your back the whole time. He did. I mean, I I I, I paid him forty five dollars and eight beers. And eight beers. <laughs> eight beers. That's, that's possible. That's a pretty good uh, pretty good payment. I'll take that. Um, and then the X brand tear off segment came on. You pulp MX wrap up show enthusiast. You take this bit of audio. However, which way you want to take it. All right, Kiefer, describe the type of person you think listens to the wrap-up show. <laughs> who? The guy who puts his pen in his hat? 
Um, like just sticks a pen up in his hat, just talk, like talk, fucking. I am going to say, the guy who may have missed. Let's just name the guy. His name's Mike. He's about thirty-six. Works at an iron mill. Busts his ass. Missed the show. Can't can't listen to five hours. So I'm gonna listen to one hour with Dark Side. Mike. I like Mike. Thirty-six. What's up, Mike? <laughs> so. I can see a mic listening to the show, yes. But I also think I, I enjoy listening to the wrap-up show because sometimes I space out, like, mid-show, and, you know, I don't catch every detail. And Darkside usually catches those tiny details checkers, and it's nice to, you know, catch up on those again and really, like, you know, put some emphasis on it. For sure, and also it brings back, like, when we played the retro audio, like, I was laughing again a second time. Like, it's still entertaining, but more importantly, the important stuff ends up in the wrap-up show, so you don't miss out on, like, all the little stories and jokes and, and such that are part of Pulp, like the racing in the desert around dishwashers and stuff like that. <laughs> if you didn't catch that because you were zoned out the first time it was mentioned and then didn't listen to the wrap-up show, it might take you a while to actually figure out what they're talking about and, and why that is, so... Um, I think it's more more than just the mics of the world. I think it's the diehard Pulp fans um, that listen every week and they want to get more of Pulp, relive it um, as much as anything as well. I, I totally agree with you, Darkside. What's your, what's your take on Keeper's perspective? Oh, man, I don't know how I feel about that because I don't know how much of that was being fun and or how much of it was... Kiefer not really giving me credit or the sh the wrap up show credit for what it is because it is not an easy uh, topic or not an easy format really to do a wrap up show a show about a show right a lot of people say that it's not easy putting mm -hmm. it together and and falling within the parameters of what Steve wants without getting off topic uh, without getting some of the opinions that he says nobody cares about it's it's not easy to do that. Um, I do want to give a shout-out real quick to Nick Stills and Oscar C. from Instagram this week who helped me out a ton with these notes, right? Because it's a lot of work. You saw all the notes, Cade, that I sent over to you. Uh, the timestamps, this guy has really worked hard. To, and those are the fans that listen. Those are the guys that they pay attention to the whole five-hour show. They take the time to make notes for me and then and give me things that I may have missed and then also listen to the wrap-up show. And, and uh, it's just people that love the content and the more content, the better. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, you know, the note thing, I was definitely not expecting your notes and their notes to be so detailed. And, like, I took notes, obviously. Checkers took notes, obviously. But, I mean, like, when they, you sent me over your stuff, I was like, wow, I did a really shitty job. So <laughs> um, you guys do, like, I mean, it's, I, I think a lot of people are, underappreciated i think you work really hard at this show and um you know i think the listeners really appreciate how how hard you work at it yeah i may have mentioned last week or maybe i didn't but i figured it i think it was after last week's show though so i think i sat in the i went in the bedroom and i was sitting there with amber and i figure i average about 45 hours a month for the wrap-up show that includes on average four pulp shows that are five hours each plus all the notes plus recording plus the editing uh, it, it's, it's a lot, man. It really is. It's, it, it takes a lot of time and like Nick still in particular, who's in, from Australia. And I think he's maybe a guest next week on the wrap up show. He literally broke down all, most of the notes and timestamps where I could go back and cut the audio or because, uh, Nick, 
he put exact timestamps down for all these moments. Uh, and Oscar did some of that too. And it's, yeah, it's a lot of work and I appreciate those guys. The mics of the world unite. Thank you. Fair enough. Well, something else that came up on the show that comes up every week is the Red Tech Rant. Checkers, this is uh, your company's bread and butter right here, the show. Um, it's kind of cool that I think Steve is kind of giving everyone the chance to have their own little rant now, um, which is cool because when I come on, I always have something that I like to complain about. Um, but Dark Side, you got shit on pretty quickly, but Kiefer's was something worth discussing. Let's hear what that was. Your program, A-Ray, is so tight off of the bike, off of the motorcycle. He is training. He is grinding. I have said this on the show. He is the most improved, to me, Supercross rider of 2020. Rode excellent. Made mains. Looked good. Besides sometimes some crashes and things. He's an improved rider all around. But where do we go? It's like his head's in his ass a little bit. I just feel like he needs to tighten it up. Just like he is when he's at home. He's training. He's focused. He, he's structured. But some for some reason, this is how I feel. When we get to these races, weird shit happens that should not happen. I didn't even know it was his muffler. Every, We're watching everyone it. on social media did. Yeah. We're watching it on TV and they're like, oh, it's a muffler. I got it's probably A race, jokingly. And yeah. sure shit, it was A race. I'm gonna sit the manager guy down. I'm going to sit my mechanic down. I'm going to sit whoever's in my circle around, and I will calmly, unlike right now, <laughs> calmly say, what can we do? Tighten it up. Oh, just, a, just tighten it up a bit. Because I'm telling you, what sucks is how hard that son of a bitch works mm -hmm. off of the yeah, bike. Yeah. He works. Right. Like, the kid does his fucking shit. So, speaking as one of A-Ray's friends, I can totally agree with Kiefer, um, you know, coming into Colorado, I had a lot of stuff that I had to prepare and get ready. And sometimes I feel like A-Ray is so fit off the bike. He works so hard at the practice track. And the most important part of all of that gets kind of pushed to the side checkers. I mean, I don't know how much experience you've had with A-Ray, but he, uh, I think Kiefer is right. I think the, the race program could get tightened up just a bit. Yeah, I've gotten to know Ray a bit um, just in the last couple of years, and I've grown to like him, and uh, he's a nonstop entertainment for sure. And I mean, a part of me wants to say it's, you know, it's growing pains of a first-year team, but at the same point, you have the two guys on the team beside him that are, you know, Rod Bell's absolutely killing it, and before he got hurt, Jeremy Smith was doing very well, and then it looks like, well, is, what's going on? Why is A-Ray's program loose? He's got a mechanic that's been around for quite some time, um, I believe his name's Mike. Maybe he listens to the wrap-up show. I'm not sure. Um, I don't know him <laughs> super well. But he's been around a long time, so I'm guessing he knows his stuff. He's been with A-Ray for a long time, so that means he's worked really hard. Um, his privateer mechanics have to work their butts off. And I mean, I know that the team went out and got new race bike and new practice bike for him just to, to try to make things better. And like, I do feel like they've had these sit-downs, and um, it's like this black cloud is following him around on the race days. Um, and I don't necessarily know the, the solution unless it comes down to almost, uh, you know, there's always the thing about Barsha needing to change the way he rides to be able to go faster and um, not over-rep the bike so much and be more consistent. And maybe it comes down to that where A-Ray needs to 
almost take a deep breath on race day a little bit and maintain its equipment and go slower to go faster type of deal. Um, I'm not sure because I'm not around it that much, but I think that those conversations have happened uh, with where he has sat down with his team. But I love Kiefer's passion because it comes from the heart where he really cares about ARA, which he cares about people a lot. That's why people like Kiefer on the show and just in general. Um, and that comes across big time. And I think that's why A-Ray had, I think he had texted in a message um, while listening to the show on Discord or something that he uh, he wasn't upset about what Kiefer was saying and then he was hearing it. No, I couldn't agree more. Kiefer, Kiefer really has a heart, for, especially for privateers, I feel like, dudes who just want to work and, you know, they want to get better and they want to do it the best that they can. So um, I respect Kiefer for speaking from the heart and really just putting it out there because it is, it's harsh. Sometimes it's hard to hear, but especially on a platform as big as Pulp, you know, A-Ray basically just got shit on, but he took it like a man and said, you know what, you're right. You know, if you if you follow A-Ray or Kiefer or Pulp on Instagram, it's, it's been an ongoing thing all week. Got to tighten it up. Just got to tighten it up a little bit. But uh, before we move on to our next guest, uh, Justin Cooper, I want to thank all the sponsors for the wrap-up show. If it's style and performance you want, you've come to the right place. For the highest performance covers and foam on the market, visit GutsRacing.com. I can personally speak for Guts Racing. I've been with them for quite a while. Um, I love their seat covers. The seat foam is unbelievable. Um, it lasts actually a really long time, which I like, so I can't complain about that. And then you know all about the Michelin motorcycle tires from the Pulp Mech Show. Time to learn about Michelin bicycle tires. If you want the same tires as Cam Zink and Sam Hill run, Visit bike.michelin.com for details. Also, Seal Savers is the original fork seal protection, starting with the original Seal Savers to prevent dirt, dust, mud from getting into your fork seals. You can also try the Zip-On Seal Savers to make installation a breeze. Visit sealsavers.com and enter code PULP25 to save 25%. So we had Justin Cooper on. He... uh, he won at Lakewood. He was he rode awesome. It was fun to watch him go out and uh, finally ride like you know everyone knew he could. Steve asked him about track prep, the track prep, and how the season started later after the break could be something he could get on board with. Let's hear from Jacob. Man, uh, I talked to a lot of guys after the race, and like outside of Christian Craig, no one was really stoked on the on the track prep. Like, kinda. Not as like usual. What did you think about it? It was like one half of the track was kind of flat, and then the other half was like it got beat in pretty pretty well, and it kind of got rough. Yep. But uh, I didn't I didn't think it was bad. I think it got better as the day went on, and it, it almost looked even better for the four fifty second moto. Like it looked like the track was really, you know, coming around. It was getting beat up, and it was becoming a nice race track. So right. Yeah, and it probably helped with the weather didn't help it. Like right. we're we're two months later in the and probably actually three for this race in the season or and it's just it's different. It's right. the weather's just gonna make the track different, I feel. Right, yeah, absolutely a good point. Um hey, I'm all about these fall nationals, dude. I'm all about them. I've been writing about them and talking about them. Like after Supercross, let's give you guys a month off, month and a half, get your outdoor settings going, get rested. Uh, run the 12 races, you know, right away as quick as we can. We end in the fall. And then this way the designations will be set up easier because guys won't have to take the big time off, so they'll be more eager to go. What do you think, Cooper? Would you is, would you be down with that? 
Yeah, uh, I, it just gives us less time off, and it is already a busy schedule. Maybe if we pushed uh, the start of Supercross back then, right? that would make more sense. Maybe because it would give us like a January, February off or something. Ah, they're not going to uh, do that. Yeah, they're not going to do that. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> like the two cold races we've had this year have been Millville and uh, this last one in Colorado they've been probably 40 in the morning and yeah yeah you got to the line with the jacket but honestly I've been in California for a few years now so I've been Bowers wrote his whole first practice with a jacket on I don't know if you know anybody noticed that really yeah jacket on Bowers <laughs> so was hey, I was honestly thinking about that but I didn't want to get my jacket dirty <laughs> right 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 <laughs> so we already talked about the track obviously so I don't want to keep beating that dead horse but we talked about the, the fall nationals a little bit on the show so Dark side, you didn't really chime in much on that part. What about what's your opinion on the fall nationals? Obviously, some guys think it's a great idea. Some dudes don't. I think I think part of it is a lot of the fit guys want it to be hot. They want it to be difficult. Where some of the dudes who are more supercross esque, you might say, um, they love these fall nationals. Yeah, I personally think it's cool to give them a you, Kate, and A Ray, and anybody that's a pro- professional rider. That races both seasons, a break in between, uh, you know, whether it be a month, uh, six weeks, something like that. I think it's good. I think it's good for the racing. Gets everybody healed up, right? Marvin came back. Uh, you know, uh, RJ, I think, was able to come back, which that didn't last very long, unfortunately. But I think it's good for the sport. I think it's good for the riders. I think it would take somehow the sanctioning body to say, okay, you can't go test and train for the first four weeks after Supercross. And if we find out you do, we're going to dock you a full race or something so that those guys can get some freaking time off, go do some stuff with their family, rejuvenate. And they're not just still, you know, training. Um, but I like it, man. I like the cooler weather. Uh, I, th- I think it's good. Dark side. I'm sorry, but that's never going to happen. Yeah, I know that. Um, but I'm just telling you what, I'm just telling you what I like. No, I know. I know. Um, I, I do too. I, I think, you know, a month off in between each series is way better than a week off and two months off in between series. You know, I think dudes just have to have some, uh, you know, have to have the strength to be able to say, I don't want to train for two weeks, you know, and take that time off. You just have to have the discipline to do it. And sometimes it's hard to do that, but sometimes you have to, um, something else that Cooper talked about was he said he's going to remain with star yamaha until the end of his 250 career so that's pretty cool let's hear about that it was a good choice to you know stay with yamaha for the rest of my 250 career and uh establish myself as you know a title contender each year so i won't stop until i get you know a few championships and that's what they want out of me so i think we both have the same goal in mind and that's what it's going to take yeah, for next year, for 2021, I mean, you have to be thinking two titles, right? This has to be what you're thinking? Yeah, yep. yeah. there's nothing There's nothing else for me to do. So, um, yeah, that's, that is definitely the goal. So I thought that was pretty cool. Checkers, I feel like you working for a moto community, you can appreciate a guy who wants to stay with a single company for such a long time. Yeah, I think um, the most recent example that I can really think of um, outside of at least the 250 classes, the Jason Anderson thing. Of, I mean, he's spent his whole career with, you know, the team that's become the Rockstar Husky team. 
And I think there's a lot of value in that too, because if you do happen to have a bad year or something like that, you have such a relationship that they know what you're doing, they know your program, and they have belief in you as well. Um, so you're not just bouncing around and always trying to rebuild. And I think that's pretty neat. And I, I definitely think he's at the top of the list or near the very top of the list to go get those championships. And what I heard in that also was, you know, he's looking forward. He's looking outside of the 250 class. Of, he doesn't want to be there forever. He wants to move on and get into that 450 class, which I don't think you hear enough from the young guys. Yep. I totally agree. Um, you know, I think a lot of those 250 guys are nervous because when they point out, you know, it, it gets into a tighter field, there's less rides, it's, it's nerve-wracking. So it's cool to hear a guy um, speak about the future and how he wants to win and then move on. So I think that's pretty cool for me. Also, when Cooper was on, they, of course, talked about the Instagram beef with Jet Lawrence uh, talking about how Cooper had his dog on the podium with him. Uh, we'll have some audio from that. Big discussion today on our podcast. I wrote about it as well. I'm a dog lover. I The only thing I would have liked better is you would have had a basset hound up there, Justin. That's my, my dog of choice. But I thought it was fine. I got no problems with it. Yeah, dude, anyone that's caught crap on it can go kick rocks. Like, that's, <laughs> that's, all, I have. that's all I have for it. Right, right. Wait, wait till you see what I, I have in store for this weekend. Oh shit! This is awesome. <laughs> oh, I like this. I like this. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't win that often. So when I do, I'm taking full advantage of it. And, and look, and I like Jet. He was on the show two weeks ago. He's he's a rad dude. He had fucking donuts, as you pointed out, Jay Coop. He he's called his brother his sister. Like he's not exactly the one to talk. Start talking about podium etiquette. To me, that's what I'm. Right. Uh, I could go on for days about it. Right, right. <laughs> I, no. could really, I could really do it. He, he it's a, just an immature 17-year-old. That's what it comes down to. He did a, I don't he, know if he was looking for attention or what. It's fucked up because we all want our sport to be fun. At, you know, eh, we, we don't want robots. We don't want right, you know, everything right. the same shit. Yeah. You know, okay, you bring a fucking dog up to the, the podium. All right. Yeah. Like, big fucking deal. Like, Listen, why are we talking about this? Like, I do see a lot, Justin, where people in your interview say, you know, we don't see a lot of uh, character, a lot of Just excitement, yeah, yeah, out of Justin. There's no personality. But then you showed personality this weekend, and then I guess Jet <laughs> didn't like it. But, yeah. I-, I loved it. I personally loved the fact that there was a little bit of personality, or however you pronounce that word. Um, he he did something different. And you know what? I love that Jet, he didn't like it. He called him out. I love the beast. I, I love that stuff. I wish we had, like, a... A new J Law in the races, checkers. Like, what what do you think about it as like a sponsor? Because for me, it's like everyone in Moto knows Justin Cooper rides for Star Racing. So a lot of people were like, "Oh, his sponsors are probably going to be mad that they covered up his logos." It's like, come on, man! Like, everyone knows he rides for Star Yamaha. Like, who cares? It's cool that he did it. Everyone's talking about it. What's your thought? Yeah, I mean the the value there is people are talking about it. Period. Um, as far as the um, – and even Jet calling it out, I'm okay with that. I like the drama from that standpoint. Beyond that, I mean, I think they both look pretty dumb going back and forth on social media, and I'm honestly just sick of hearing about it and talking about it. But I will say I'm very excited about these plans for Paula that were mentioned from j Oh, I agree. I, I can't wait. I hope it stirs the pot even more, and there's just – I hope it's just – 
you know, boxing match between him. I hope it has something to do with Jet because then it'll really get it fired up <laughs> and then the racing will be good and I just love it. Uh, Dark Side, before they let Coop go, you brought up uh, the whole team tactics thing for Fernandez because there has been controversy with Coop in the past with Fernandez last season. You know, Fernandez thought that Coop raced him too hard, so we can hear uh, about the team tactics when you ask him about that. Team tactics, we talk about it whether it really happens or not. But I just want to know, like, for you, if the team said, hey, if J-Mart's leading and you're in second and Dylan's coming, you got to move over. Like, that's not something that a racer of your caliber, of your, your personality, wants to do. How do you handle something like that if it does happen? Uh, if he's behind me and I feel like I'm holding him up and we're behind J-Mart, I'm, I'm not going to let him by. Like, I'm going to try and go out after J-Mart and try and win the race because – uh, there's there's still a lot of money on the line for me, and mm-hmm. I'm not going to roll over and let Dylan just win another race. That's not my style. I'm there to – when I feel like I'm there to win, I'm going to go for the win. So I'll be the guy that will try to beat Dylan. I won't – you know, obviously if it comes down to it and he needs my help and it's close and I don't think that's going to happen, but yeah. I'd probably, you know, try to – you know, move over from if I'm not in contention for a win or anything. But, uh, yeah, if we're both battling for the win, you'll you'll see me fight them hard like I, I did at Ironman last year. So, so, yeah, basically I feel like the word checkers that um, Justin was looking for is if Dylan's kind of far back and he needs the points, I might just make it easy on him to get by. Um, I feel like. Justin is trying to be very proper because this is a very touchy subject in our sport. Yeah, it absolutely is. I mean, we've seen that team out of out of all teams seems. I mean, we just saw it in Supercross that they're they're willing to do whatever they have to take to win. Um, but I also heard Justin say he wants to go win the race so he doesn't have to worry about it. And I think anyone in that situation, that's the best thing that they can do. Then they don't have to get in the middle of it and they're the best man win, and he doesn't have to worry about it. Uh, I hope we don't see any team tactics. I hate them. Um, I understand them, but I definitely don't care for them. Um, let them race it out and, and go for it. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, and I don't feel like Dylan is in a or yeah, Dylan is in a position to where he really needs to even worry about team tactics. He has a decent points lead. Um, you know, Justin can go out there and battle with him. You know, a two-point swing at this point if, when they're both battling at the front really isn't that big of a difference. Do you think so, Dark Side? No, I don't think so. I, I, I didn't really think it was going to be something that comes into play. I just wanted to hear what he would say, you know, and I, I was very happy with his answer of basically, you know, if, if the win's there, I'm going for a win. That's what a racer should do. I like that answer. I think that was one of the best interviews I've heard from him on, on any any uh, platform. So, Good job from Steve with that, and um, but I liked it. But no, I don't think it's going to actually happen. I think Dylan, Dylan's going to ride smart this weekend and just you know probably uh, top five. Exactly. So um, something else that came up as the new interim uh, co-host or host for the wrap-up show, I had to call in and promote the wrap-up show. And uh, obviously that went about as you would think. But <laughs> when I called in, we obviously had to talk about the bet that Steve just so happened to forget he made with me on the last show. And here's the audio from that. 
I don't know if I'm ready to talk to you yet. Uh oh. Uh oh. Well, I'm here. I'm just promoting the wrap up show. You know, we got me, Checkers, the Dark Side guy. It's gonna be a great show. What was uh, what was Colorado like, bro? Oh, uh, man, I didn't call in to, uh, you know, talk about my shit show of the weekend <laughs> that I had. You know, I mean, I won my $100 gift card from Mathis that he does not remember betting me. Okay, hold on. I'm hold, get hold, it hold on. Did, what did I bet? Like, I, I've been trying to get this fucking answer from you, and you won't tell me. Like, what, what was the bet? What was the deal? You bet me that I couldn't out-qualify A-Ray. Does anybody remember that? Yeah, that sounds Yeah, yeah I remember that. Yeah. All right, f- fuck you guys. <laughs> what, what? You said I think it was, that yeah, if it was. I out yeah. A-Ray, give me a $100 motor sponsor. Fuck! Because you thought yeah. he had, like, no shot. You yeah. know, it's serious when he, not only does he say fuck you, but he brings the I finger got, up, too. Like, I got that's a strong fuck finger. You would think my fucking guys would cover for me, too. Like, no, man, no. <laughs> no, man. We I didn't just, hear nothing. We just spit the facts. So, I just think it's funny. You know, Steve is always complaining about uh, Marks and Talon and Fitzhoff. They never have his back. You know, they always shit on him on Discord. I I think it's hilarious. What about you, Jack? I <laughs> I love it. And I, I think that he was so confident that you weren't going to win that bet. That, that's why I don't think he legitimately remembered it. I think he totally forgot about it. And I remember when you made it, he was like, I don't even need to bet anything against it because it's not going to happen. And um, <laughs> also, I do, I do want to clarify – you called your weekend a shit show, and I've, I've known you long enough that I've given you a hard time about your riding a lot. Um, I was actually thought that your weekend went pretty well, Kate, so I'm not going to add too much more to that, but I wouldn't call it a shit show of a weekend. Um, I've only known you as a super cross guy for the most part, and you showed up at an outdoor. Um, I didn't know how, what to make of your previous Canadian results, and to come off the couch at the end of the season when everyone's ready to go and out qualify a I'm not going to lie, I was on on Steve's side, I didn't think there was a chance that it was happening, but I also wouldn't have put $100 on it. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Yeah, I I loved it because, you know, I offered. I was like, okay, what happens if I lose the bet? And he's like, nothing. That's cool. Like, I know it's not going to happen. I agree, Chuck. I, I forgot about that part. That's uh, that's pretty funny. Uh, Dark Side, did you have faith in me at least? Not really, dude. Okay. Fair um, enough. Fair enough. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what. No, though. it's I, fine. I, hey, no, I don't need to get shit on anymore. I was gonna tell you I was proud of you though. I just knew you hadn't uh, been you hadn't been racing nationals, man. And it's it's hard to step up to that. Even if even if you're like racing local races and staying in shape, it's not easy to step up into the pro nationals and go out and do as well as you did. So, no, I apologize. I didn't think you would do as well as you did. Okay. Well, thanks, guys. <laughs> Um, so next, Steve, Steve kind of brought up the shootout thing. I, I didn't even personally realize that Kiefer's shootouts were totally different or that he doesn't really do shootouts, but what he does is totally different. Um, here's some audio about Chris and Steve debating his type of shootout, I guess. Well, I'm not stopping recording. I'm just, it really, I don't think it's a lot about, the audio is not a whole lot about the shootouts. It really just leads into the rant and the Christmas party, okay, not, so before we go any further, we're still recording. I didn't really tell Kate exactly what was in the audio, so it's not your fault that you, you know, the when you made the miss, you misspoke earlier on one of the pieces of audio. You don't know what's on these, but we really don't. We're not going to get into that too much, Kate. Sorry, it's going to. It's mainly Steve's um, rant. Unbelievable. Okay, Steve's rant. I get it. Play it. Can I make it like try to barter with you? No, we're done. How about how about I will do a shootout if we have a Christmas Pulp MX party here. 
That's not going to happen. Why not? We're not? I'm not having a party. Every business has like a Christmas party. Yeah. We don't have one. Oh. Yeah, where's our Christmas party? Oh, you know what? That leads me right into my next rant. Oh, shit. Thank you for bringing that up. That's nothing to do with me, man. I like you for bringing that up. <laughs> Why would I host a Pulp MX party? I employ people <laughs> to work for me. I pay them cash money. Money, here you go. Here's, a, here's the money for you. Right. And all they do is shit on me. Anonymous. Anonymity. Anonymity. And one of my employees texts me that today. And basically, like, fuck you. Yeah, I am okay? a shitty media guy. No uh, tonight on the show, before we go out, the marks, marks every week, marks plays a drop that makes me look like a moron. What job? <laughs> do you, hey, you work at the fucking waterworks in Texas. Do you go into <laughs> the waterworks? He does. He's yeah. Do you go Close into enough. your? So do you go into? Your, hey Tracy. Hey, suck on these nuts. Do you go in? That's how you start your shift. Not often. No, not often. No, because. You respect that that's your boss. That's somebody who sure. employs you. That's somebody who, sure. you know, controls your future a little bit. And you will respect my authority. Not a Pulp MX. Right. Not a Pulp MX. That doesn't happen here. What they do is try to find the guy that employs them, <laughs> look stupid every single day whenever they can, and then they all laugh about it and fucking snowboard. That's my what rant. What an idiot I am. Chaining. And I am not going to have a Christmas party for these guys. <laughs> I am not going to spend money and have decorations and all this shit. Cakes. Cakes. When all these guys do is shit on me. I don't do that. So I bone this dude. Yeah. So, again, Kyle, what do you do for a living? I am in the cellular industry. Okay. Um, do you uh, go into work a lot of times and just talk shit on your boss? <laughs> and my wife just shits on me. So, yeah, as you can see. Dark side screwed me, trying to make me look like a bad host um, by not knowing what audio clips are coming. But um, basically what I was talking about was Kiefer and Steve were debating about how Kiefer does his type of shootout as um, what bike works best for which people. Steve doesn't like it. They debated it. There's that. This rant, this was Steve's basically race tech rant of the night. Um, complaining about his employees, like I said earlier, how they all shit on him. We all think it's hilarious because we're all such good friends with Steve. Checkers, I'm not going to lie. I feel like the guys at Race Tech have a very similar family-esque type of relationship. And, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of being hard on each other. But these types of work environments are one in a million. Yeah, uh, I always say that um, it's like a big family, and um, you've actually kind of become part of that family, right? You've been around it long enough and such. But um, I definitely would walk into the office in the morning and tell Rob to F off, and he's my boss. And um, guess what? They still throw a Christmas party for us, even though they write us a paycheck. So, Steve, it's time for a Christmas party. <laughs> Hell, yeah. Exactly. That's the way I look at it. But, I mean, Dark Side, they were kind of – in reality, they're right. Like, you go to a normal job, you know, like you do every day. You're not, you're not acting like that with your boss. But I think that's something that makes Pulp and all those guys what they are, right? Oh, 100%. And like I said on the show, it's, this is an entertainment show. And what Marks is doing and Talon is doing with the drops uh, uh, and kind of giving him shit back is hilarious. We're all talking about it right now. They talked about it on the Moto 60 show today. Uh, the people on Twitter and all the message boards are talking about it because it's funny. They're giving us what we want. Uh, so yeah, Steve, Steve's wrong. We got to keep the sh we got to give the shit back to Steve as much as he gives it to us. Exactly. That's 
That's the way I said. They're going to start a, a pro Steve Discord channel, right? And there's uh, it's going to be invite only, but no invites are going to be given out. That's what I was talking about on the show, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I like that. I, I just, I'm a new Discorder, so I'm, I'm figuring it out. It's, it's, it's technical. Yes. Know, it's, it's, it, it inquires a bit of savviness. Yeah, I, I, but, I uh, agree with that. Yeah. But, uh, hey, don't forget, on the show, they talked about um, a race tech contest to rent, to win a race tech swag bag. All you got to do is send an email to contest at pulpamex.com, and uh, you'll be entered to win for that. Hey, uh, next. pulpamexshow.com. What did I say? Pulpamex.com. I'm sorry. Yeah, contest at pulpamexshow.com. You know what? I'm a rookie. All good. Let me go, okay? It's all good, man. Uh, <laughs> you're a uh, motocrosser you're not supposed to know how to read it's okay i could edit that out but i won't no it's cool uh jason thomas was on the show from fly racing per usual um they talked about the whole march banks going to the club team thing uh personally i was at club when march banks was there checkers what do you think about that move um some of the guys liked it because he you know took the initiative to get the job going early but uh what are your thoughts um, well, I don't look at it as a bad move for him. Um, they talked about it a bit on the show, and I'm in agreement. Like Those motorcycles look really, really good this year. Um, they got great starts. Smart Trace is a big guy. He needs some engine. Um, they have a um, really good engine package, it appears. Um, Josh Hill wasn't a small guy on it either, even though he slid down a bunch, and he was ripping hole shots. So I think March Banks will be fine. I think the more perplexing part, which I think is Kiefer that mentioned, is the fact that he won a race this year and is not going to a factory team. It says two things. One, the system is broken, that there's not room for him, and or the fact that um, there's something else behind the scenes, which, I mean, I've definitely heard the whispers, and I have zero proof of this or knowledge firsthand of this, of him just being difficult to work with or someone in his, in his corner being difficult to work with, whether that's agent or family or whatever. I don't have enough information to know, but I know that those whispers are out there. And I wish they would have dug into that a little bit more because I'm guessing Steve knows something more. Um, about that just because he seems to be like the guy that knows knows all that stuff. He's in the inner circles, um, and then he's able to educate us fans, but maybe he's not in a spot where he can talk about it either. Yeah, I, I honestly, I totally understand the March Banks thing. I mean, I know it sucks because he did win this year, um, but he has gotten hurt a lot. Um, I know they talk about how uh, there's not there's like no spots open. Everyone's basically full. And Marchbeck probably didn't want to be left in the dark and being out of a van. And uh, he has a relationship with the guys from club. It's going to be a totally different atmosphere from him. You know, he's not going to have the big for Dion and all that stuff coming into the races. But, uh, I mean, I don't see him doing terrible on the bike. I don't think he will be as much of a contender. But I think it's a good step for that team to uh, keep progressing and the riders that they get to hire. And, you know, March Banks is just going to have to prove himself to get back on one of those factory teams. Uh, something else they talked about was the start of Supercross. You know, no one knows an exact date. There's a schedule that's supposed to be released, hopefully sometime in October, they talked about. Um, they talked about a middle to late January start. Um, Steve said probably not starting in uh, California, but uh, Darkside, what do you think about the uh, Pulpamax live show? Steve says they're going to happen, but what do you think? Oh, they better happen. Uh, we love them. 
Uh, I think that's a it's a good idea for the fans, for more people that like, the people that go to Supercross that maybe don't know about Pulp. They're walking through the pits and they see this thing going on with Damon Bradshaw or Weston Pike or you know Zach Osborne st- sit- sitting right there on stage. Uh, I think it's a really cool concept. They they did a good job of coming up with the idea, and I think it's something that will continue to benefit the sport and it benefits the show and brings more people on board. So I think yeah they're there's no reason to not do them anywhere they have a race. I agree. I, I, I like the live shows. I've been to one of them. I think it's something cool that's very different. Uh, something else that got brought up, Dark Side and hmm. Checkers, I'm going to ask you for your opinion right off the bat. And be honest. Steve asked, Dark Side, Steve asked Dark Side about his Moto Media career. If Factory KTM equals Pulp MX, what does the Moto X Pod Show equal? <laughs> well, we were just talking about the Club MX team, and I think we could go about right there. Oof. I think uh, okay. somewhere somewhere along there. Um, maybe I, maybe actually the better comparison is the SGB Cowie team, and maybe there's some parts <laughs> falling off, but he's still finishing races here and there, getting some points. Okay. <laughs> okay. No, I'm kidding. Oh, I, think the, I think the Club MX comparison is probably, probably a little better, and I will say I learned a lot this week. Um I feel like you're a much better guest than you are a host, and that's not saying you don't do a good job as a host, but both on the Pulp Show and then now doing this um, with you as a, a guest and offering more of an opinion than just steering the ship. Mm-hmm. Um, I really, really like your opinion a lot. I appreciate it. Fair enough. Uh, I, I still uh, say Star Yamaha. I, 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 yeah, there you go. <laughs> Dark Side said Star Yamaha. Um, I... I love you, Dark Side. I think your show is great. So Yamaha might be a step above where I think your show is. I think you're a little bit above the club team. I don't know what's in between those two, so I'm just going to leave it at that. Whatever, Cade. But uh, whatever. I'm just being honest. You know? No, I appreciate that. Especially be honest. You... I like honesty. No, you're fair. You're fair. So uh, moving along, we're almost done here. Uh, Pony Talk. We obviously touched on it a little bit at the beginning of the show, but we have a little bit of audio of Kiefer and him talking about cutting off the pony. What are we going to do with the pony, with the excess pony? Are we keeping it here in the studio? Yes. Is that too creepy? Yeah, no, we got to keep That's it in here. It's pretty fucking weird. Nah, it's not. Kind of weird, right, Mark? We pin it up on the wall. Yeah. We pin it on the wall? Let's cut it, that pony, right now. Dark Side's pony. I just... I love the audio from Keeper. Sing along to the song. I don't know what song that is. I mean, we all know about my uh, musical abilities, but I love the fact that, I mean, Keeper was just making a big joke out of it. I know Dark Side, it's a touchy subject with you because, I mean, it's probably saying you, how long has it taken you to grow that thing? I mean, it's, it's all the way down to your ass. Well, okay, so when people ask that, it's, it's kind of, uh, it's hard, it's hard to, add. I've been growing it since 95, but it took, probably two years to get about that long and then uh, like I, I think i mentioned on the show i donate it to uh like a locks of love type place that they make wigs for people who have cancer or have lost their hair but you have to donate i think the minimum is 10 inches so i do that like every couple years so but anyway started in 95 right shortly after high school uh and it's been long pretty much ever since Fair enough. Well, yeah, I mean, that's a that's a long time to grow some hair. That's cool that you're able to donate it and stuff like that. I uh, I applaud that effort. I My hair is too moppish. It turns <laughs> into a giant mop on my head. I could never pull that off, so well, whatever. I will say that Kiefer, um, uh, 
like off air, he was like, "Come on, bro, dude!" Like it's like this whole thing started. I think when he was on the wrap up show, and he goes, "It's like it's not 1989 anymore." Uh, he legitimately thinks it needs to go, uh, and he even asked me. He said, "There's no way Amber really likes it." And I'm telling you, dude, she loves it. Uh, so it's it kind of has to stay. She would not be happy if it went. Uh, I may be willing to make a deal to cut a portion of it uh, if Steve has me back in the studio another time. We will have to talk about that off air, though. Fair enough. Well, if you cut it, I kind of want to be there for it. I think that'd be an interesting, uh, you know, clip. But that was basically the end of the show. The next part was Kiefer After Dark. Um, We touched on a little bit at the beginning, but Checkers, it was a short After Dark segment, I felt like, but always intriguing to hear from Kiefer. And Heather was there, but the best part was when they started talking about something and you just see Aiden... (laughs) <laughs> Get up, walk out the room, and sprint up the stairs. Yeah, I didn't realize Aiden was sitting there because he was off camera. Uh, and you see Chris look over, and, <laughs> and yeah, you see Aiden go by, and I think he put peace signs up in his hands. And, uh, that's a sweet benefit of the video shows. Is there's a few things that you can see that, that you don't get through the audio. Um, I think I made a note of during the intro to the X-Brand Tarot segment, Dark side being the huge fan he is and music fan he is, he's headbanging a little bit to the intro. Um, and then the Kate sticker, like there's little things like that that are awesome, but yeah, I'm surprised they didn't send him upstairs before they started after dark to start with. Exactly. Like I, I couldn't believe, I didn't realize he was still sitting there at that point, but the fact that mom and dad weren't like, Hey, you should go away for five minutes so we can have an adult <laughs> conversation. But, no, I mean, that's just the keepers, man. I feel like they're probably the most open family I've ever been around on Dark Side. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They, they're they not embarrassed to talk about stuff, and Aiden is somewhat used to it. I also was sitting right there and forgot he was in studio. Him and his buddy were playing uh, the Xbox or whatever, and I just I, I heard everybody start laughing, and I was like, oh, yeah, I didn't realize he was here. But the th- truth is, if he had gone up the – the circle staircase to the the top of the mansion where Pookie was up there listening to the show live anyway. So I don't know that he could have got away from it. You are correct. I mean, you know, it is what it is, but still it was funny as could be. Uh, last part of the show, Steve asked for a rating on your performance. You mm. said that you killed it. Uh, Talon and Mark rated you at a 7.5 and a 6.9 check. What is your rating for Darkseid's performance on his first Pulp of Next show? Um, I'd put it at about a seven, and part of that was, like I said earlier in the show, was I think it would have been better if he was by himself, but also I, I know Steve doesn't want to just put somebody by themselves the first time and he doesn't know how they're going to perform. Um, so I think there's room to grow and, and be better, but I think it was a solid performance. It's far from the failure that Kiefer, Kiefer was almost, I think, hoping for. I think he wanted you to belt down, and it didn't happen. So congratulations. You kept your ponytail and were above <laughs> average. Thanks. Yeah, I agree. I was going to give you a 7.5 as well, like Mark did. I thought you did a great job. So, you know, you got I got no complaints. Like I said, I thought you were a little nervous at first, but, you know, you said that you uh, were just trying to be respectful, which I respect. And that's it. You know, that's Pulp MX Show 440. So um, something I forgot to mention earlier, um, don't forget, you know, not just the Pulp MX Wrap-Up Show's sponsors from Guts Racing, Seal Savers, and Michel- Michelin Bicycle Tires, 
Um, always support the sponsors that support Pulpamex. Go to pulpamexshow.com. Click on the sponsors tab for the links and the discount codes, and that'll help you save. It supports the show. Um, so, yeah, that's it. Good job, guys. I appreciate you uh, letting me steal your spotlight here for a little bit, Dark Side. Uh, I hope I didn't completely ruin it and get you clipped. No, I'll give you a 6.8. Shit, man. I just gave you a 7.5. You can't even, like, put me up there with you. Uh, is that how that works? I'm supposed to just do equal? I th- what? I didn't. Okay, yeah, you get a 7.5, Cade. Hey, no. thanks, man. No, I, you, did, <laughs> you did good, man. You did good. I apologize that I didn't give you all the info you needed for the audio. That's on me. Uh, but anybody, any, you guys listening, if you want to send any uh, – questions or comments in darkside at pulpmex.com if you have any questions or any topics you want pookie to talk about in a coming up hello pookie send them to darkside at pulpmex.com as well uh yeah i think that's about it kate i appreciate it you did a good job i i enjoyed sitting on the other side of it hey man no worries i appreciate it check i hope i didn't ruin your evening (laughs) uh i hope i get to see you soon because i haven't seen you in so long but um, I get to see Rob and Wyatt this weekend from Race Tech, so um, I'm pumped on that. But, yeah, Darkside, thanks for having me on, as always. Anytime. You too, Checkers. Thanks, guys. Good luck this weekend. Yeah, hey, Cade. Yo. Should we pick you for fantasy this weekend? Uh, I mean, I can't pick myself, but I always bet on myself, so. I, I want to know text why. Me, text, me after, text me after practice. Okay. I want to know why, like, I've picked A-Ray a few times. I've never got a fucking helmet. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I, A-Ray, A-Ray texted and put it on my social media and everything that don't pick him. Like, yeah. He wasn't even, like, intending on racing. Uh, and that's what's funny about his muffler falling off. <sighs> he wasn't even, like, out there that long. And he still broke his bike. Poor, I feel so um, bad for the guy. Yeah, but, uh, I mean, I, I always bet on myself, so, I mean, I I intend on being better this weekend, so that's my plan. Okay, right on. Well, guys, thank you so much, as always, for being a part of it. Kay, like I said, you did a good job. Uh, I think other than that, it's a wrap. I'll bet on you this appreciate weekend, it, dude. I didn't last weekend. <laughs> I don't want to be wrong twice. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're out. Why would you want to re-talk about the Pulp Show?